Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to this patch video for the web novel Out of Space taken from the website Royal Road. And as always I hope you enjoy the narration and if you do please consider supporting the channel. Chapter 285 Be My Guest Eastern shore of the Soul Sea over a hundred square hull river barges anchored a short distance from the shoreline of the giant inland freshwater lake. Hundreds of more tiny boats ferried men, equipment, land dragons, and supplies across the ships, while thousands more awaited their turn on the shore. Rock turned to his adjutant. How long more? My lord, it'll take troops and supplies another day more to load up on board the ships. His men replied with a bow. Make it faster. Rock replied. I want the ships to start moving by midday tomorrow. Yes, my lord. Orwell's point. Marine stronghold canteen. Liz smiled cheerfully at the golden-haired girl, staring at her intently from across the dining table. She remembered how she was bullied and hounded by the person before her during her years in the Royal Academy, and now her nightmare had appeared before her again. But to a slight delight, she found that Tajana was made a prisoner of war. So what do you want? Liz asked the gleeful manner as she saw the vein twitching on the side of her old schoolmate's face. I see you now as a prisoner. Tch! Tajania gritted her teeth hard. What about you? Have you fallen so low as to be joined by these barbarians? Ha! Liz gave a smile and gloated at Tajania. Well, I'm not the one who got defeated so badly and now has guards to watch your every move. You! Tajania swallowed down her anger and asked, Elizabeth, can you tell me more about these, um, barbarians? Is that how someone asks for a favor? Liz leaned back in the chair and grinned in triumphant. Titania glared at Liz and took a deep breath and put a smile on her face. Can you please tell me about these people, please? That's more like it. Liz folded her hands and tilted her head with a smug expression. So, what do you want to know? Who are they? Titania asked. Where did they come from? Why do you want to know so much? Liz frowned as she looked eager expression on Titania's face. I, I want to know more about my enemies. Tajana leaned forward and whispered, So I can defeat them. Hmm. Liz gave a shrug. Well, I can say it's almost impossible to defeat them with the kind of soldiers you have. What? Tajana snorted. I got hundreds of knights that can single-handedly defeat any troops sent against them. What can these barbarians do? <laughs> Liz laughed. If that's your case, then why are you sitting here with a collar and those two watching over you? Liz jerked her head towards the two marine guards seated at the two tables away at the canteen, keeping an eye on Titania. Titania touched the anti-magic collar on her neck and blushed with embarrassment and humiliation. I, uh, purposely allowed them to catch me. Is that so? Liz giggled happily, knowing that she had poked Titania's sore spot. Well, enjoy your stay here, then. Wait, tell me more. Titania stopped Liz as she stood up to leave. What do you want to know? Liz sighed. You can't defeat them even if you send all of your men here. I... Uh, I want to know their magic. Titania whispered and glanced around figuratively. How do they cast those indivisible magic spells that kill the great distance and more deadly than a bow or a crossbow? Oh, that. Liz pondered her question for a while before she grinned wickedly. That's called science. Signs? River City of Norshelm Rothschild Estate. Moel Rothschild stood at the glass windows, which was made at a great price to the Captain Arthurson's guild. 
He looked out and looked at the small army of house slaves working on maintaining his rose gardens and lawn. He was close to sixty, and yet he carried himself with vigor as a younger man. His shoulder-length graying hair was kept in back in a tidy circlet. He turned as a knock sounded on the study door, and the servant opened it. The soldier with a messenger sash appeared and handed him a scroll of parchment over to the servant who then brought it over to Moel. He deftly broke the wax seal and glanced through the contents of the letter twice before he crushed it into a ball and slammed his fist down hard at the table. Call the night captain Judas over here, he ordered his servant who scurried off for his command. Not long on the sound of boots he heard the door of his study open and a towering man stood before Moel. The night captain was dressed in leathers and his silver hair was plastered to his skull while the towel hung across his shoulders. Judas was training with his men and the fields when he was summoned by his lord. He kneeled down and bowed. Your orders, my lord. Take your men down to Orwell's point and secure the release of Tajania, Moel ordered. Once she is safe, destroy all those who dared to study the name of the Rothschild. What's happening to the young lady? Judas inquired. Did she fail in her attack on Orwell Point? Yes. Orwell tossed the bald parchment to Judas, who carefully opened it and read it. See for yourself. Interesting. Judas's eyes glowed. For an unknown force to defeat 10,000 soldiers and even capturing the young lady. Bring Lewis along. Moel suddenly added a third son to the expedition. Let him learn and experience what war is like and what happens to our enemies. Yes, my lord. Judas bowed again and retreated out of the study. He grinned at the thought of rescuing Lady Titania should improve his standing with her, increasing his chances of successfully wooing her. As for the foreign army, the thought of being defeated by them would never cross his mind, and he had a total confidence that the strength of his army of knights that could even rival the emperor's own lifeguards one on one wouldn't lose to a bunch of barbarians, as the report stated. He imagined that Lady Titania's most likely fell into a trap, and she got caught by these barbarians with unscrupulous means. The reports of mighty magic and flying weapons most likely were greatly exaggerated accounts of the commanders who lost her Lady Titania to the enemy, and they were trying to make the enemy stronger than them, to lessen the penalty for defeat. No matter what, those scum who dared to lay a filthy hands on Lady Titania would so face his wrath. He returned to training field and roared out, Men! Gather her up! 227 half-naked men with bodies that would make a bodybuilder cry with envy gathered before Judas quickly, and they awaited his words. The young lady has been captured by the barbarians on the quest to retake of Orwell's point. He stated with a hot-blooded knights who growled in anger when they heard the news. Our Lord has ordered us to set forth to bring her safely home. The time of our training has ended, Judas said. All of you are veterans and knights. We will now set off to save the young lady and destroy those who dare touch her. See ye to your equipment and gear. We will set out within a day, Judas ordered. Leaders, stay back. Go! We have an enemy to destroy. Orwell's Point, Marine Stronghold, General Office. What are you doing? Titania asked as she looked over the shoulder at Liz as she tried to decipher some cultist's mad rambling scribbled all over the creature's skin that she did not want to think that came from a person. Can you stop bothering me? Liz sighed as it had been four days since she bumped into Titania and the girl kept finding her and bothering her with questions. I'm trying to work here. Looks like some child's random drawing. 
Titania was bored as she was confined to the keep. She couldn't keep to an area, and after two days of wandering around with no one else to talk to, even the guards at night to chat with her, she could only find Liz to talk with. This, um, child's drawing, as you call it, was taken off the body of a demon cultist that probably killed and sacrificed hundreds of people. Liz hissed under her breath. This is not a child's work. Oh, so why are you studying it? Titania sat down next to her. Just burn it. That's what we do back home if we even find anything demon-related. Keeps the taint away. We want to find out why and what they're doing here, Liz tried to explain patiently as possible, so that we can see the bigger picture and destroy or stop their grand plans. I see. Titania fiddled with the strange-looking stick that had a pointy end on the desk before her. Like know your enemy to defeat your enemy. Yes, yes, Liz gave up to concentrate on her work. Can you go find something else to do? Well, I can't leave the keep. Titania replied as she found out the stick was like some kind of ink stick that she drew on the desktop. I'm bored. There is no tea parties or ball dancers and all these soldiers around me and no one talks to me. Fine, fine, Liz sighed. I'll talk with you, but can you wait until after six? After five? Titania was confused with her expression. Liz sighed again and pointed to the circular object hanging on the wall. You see that long black hand and the short hand? Yes, Titania nodded, wondering what she was going to try to say. See the numbers, Liz continued. When the long hand is the number 13 and the short hand is pointing at the number 6. That's 6 o'clock. What is that thing? Titania stood up and went closer to see it. Is it some kind of magical artifact? It's called a clock. It measures time. Liz explained. It works the same as our time glass, but more accurate and does not need to be turned. Amazing. Titania acted like a child as she tiptoed and hopped around trying to get a closer look at the moving hands, the clock. How does it work? Don't ask me, Liz returned to her research. Ask the doctor if you see her. She can explain it better to you. A knock came from the door as someone stuck his head in. Hey, is the princess here? Liz groaned as her work was interrupted again. Yes! Hey, princess! Someone called out and Titania turned around, finding a familiar voice. She involuntarily made a growl from her throat as she recognized the soldier who called her. You again? Yes, me again! Mills grinned. Come on, see her once you in his office. <laughs> Titania turned away from Mills and folded her arms together. I'm not going anywhere with you. Is she always like this? Mold asked the two marines watching her, and they both gave helpless shrug. Even Liz also gave a helpless sigh for Mold's. Damn. Mold strolled up to Titania and snapped his fingers sharply in front of her face, shocking her out of her rudeness. Chop, chop, come on, time is wasting. You! Titania mouth formed in O-shape so she couldn't stand his mannerisms. How dare you! Stop bloody hasting time! Wells was no patience to deal with her and started putting her arm, half dragging her out the room. Un- unhand me this instant, you you brute! Titania tried to hit him and push him away. Much to everyone's amusement, her strength was way above average as she had trained since young with martial weapons, yet she couldn't dislodge the grip of the scoundrel. Yeah, yeah, I'm the bad guy, as usual. Well, your daddy had sent someone to ask for your release. If you want to stay, be my guest. End of chapter. Chapter 286. Negotiations. Thorn, Dr. Sharon poked her head into the room which had been converted into a sort of laboratory, wizard tower, for the Magister. 
We need you in the great hall. Wait, wait. Magister Thorne hunched over several vials and beakers of some kind on his desk. He looked like he was doing some alchemical ritual, but using modern chemistry glassware gifted to him by Dr. Sharon. What are you doing? Dr. Sharon frowned and entered the room. What is that? Oh, this. Thorne grinned like a child who'd gotten his most wanted present. This is dragon's blood. Pure bloodline of the dragons, Thorne continued, his eyes glinted with excitement and happiness, untainted by a lesser lineage, just pure blood of the dragons. Where did you get that? Dr. Sharon stood over Thorne, who was gazing in an adoration at the test tube of thick red substance. From Ristra's, Thorne grinned. I helped did a checkup on her the other day, and, um, you took her blood. Dr. Sharon shook her head. On medical grounds? Thorne smiled sheepishly. Well, uh... <laughs> Dr. Sharon laughed. You cunning old man. Ha! Thorn laughed back. Well, she doesn't let us take her blood for any other reason, and the opportunity was there. So, um, like you always say, Thorn gave an impish smile. It's in the name of science. You. Dr. Sharon sighed helplessly. Don't let her find out you took her blood for any other reason. Of course. Thorn patted his chest. So, what is going on in the great hall? Oh, yes, Dr. Sharon quickly pulled Thorn up from his seat. We need to go there, and there is a contingent of Imperials here to talk about the release of the prisoner of war we caught. I see. Magister Thorn set down the vial of blood in disappointment. That is indeed a grave matter. We'd better hurry. A large crowd had formed and was kept at bay by the Marines surrounding the stocks as they came to watch the delegates of the Empire. Joseph stood at several of his senior officers and grinned at Magister Thorne and Dr. Sharon as they joined. Too busy in your work? he teased. You know me too well, Magister Thorne laughed, and he tried to comb his white beard and fuzzy hair with his fingers. Look, here they come, Dr. Sharon called out from the ornate-looking river barge. The single, silvery barge had dozens of blue-colored flags bordered with gold and silver, while hundreds of silver-white oars flashed against the sun as they rode the barge forward as one. The sound of a drum and the music slowly drifted across the river as the barge neared under the watchful eyes of the single three-inch gun battery stationed on top of the gun tower built specifically to defend the river passage. The flashing silver oars moved in tune with the beat of the drums, while two more barges, less ornate than the silver ship, stopped a short distance away and dropped anchor at the river. The silver ship soon came and perfect stop next to the docks. Figures in full steel armor lined up to the side of the barge, and the hull opened as the ramp dropped. Two rows of heavily armored soldiers stormed out of the ramp and formed up on the docks before turning as one to face the other smartly. Merle's whistled. Damn, that drill wouldn't press Pike a great deal. Now all we need is the Imperial March. Shh. Drake, standing at attention next to Merle's hissed. Here comes the big frick. Four men clad in ornate armor strolled down the ramp with several flunkies at their heels and the lined-up Imperials saluting with their fists across their chests. The leading armored knight wore a silver, gold-plated full plate and had his helm hooked into his belt. A gold scabbard hung on his left and a red jeweled pommel on his sword, peace-bound with white ribbon. His fine silvery hair was kept back by a simple silver circle adorned with a red gemstone. He strolled up towards Joseph and gave a bow. Greetings, my lord. I am Knight Captain Judas, commander of the Knights of Silver. He eyed the grisly-looking soldier in the strange color patterned uniform with an appraising eye, recognizing his experience. Well met, Commander, Joseph returned his bow. 
I'm Captain Joseph, commanding officer of the 2nd Battalion Marines of the United Nations and governor of Orwell's Point. United Nations, the young man next to Judas gave a questioning look to Joseph. What manner of nation is it? We can talk more inside when it is more comfortable. Joseph gestured politely towards the horse-drawn carriage. We have a prepared refreshments for your welcome, and you are... This is our master, Titus Rothschild. Judas introduced the young man dressed in an even more ornate plate mail. He had an arrogant look and a permanent scowl on his face as he wrinkled his nose at the smell of rotting docks. Let's go, he sniffed and waved the air before him. This place smells. Judas nodded and gestured his men to follow him. The marines eyed the imperials warily as they marched past them as they marched behind. The return to the stronghold in the middle of the city was uneventful, despite the local populace having turned out to view the imperial delegates. The local police in their black uniforms stood at intervals to keep the locals from rushing forward. So far, the populace had started to trust the new lords, as the efforts against the cultists and the promises were given to them were not broken. Even the grumbling merchants and ex-slave owners, issues with the loss of their slaves had died down due to the amount of compensation and tax rebates given to them. The number of jobs provided and dying discrimination of the slaves also improved the standings of the barbarian lords and the locals. And with the harsh penalty of breaking the laws and crackdown of gangs, had the city seen its first peaceful period since its founding. Many of the locals had better opinions of the strange, polite marines and the United Nations. Hence, when Judas watched Titus waving from the carriage that gathered locals along the main street, he was surprised there wasn't much happiness or enthusiasm at seeing him and his men. Frowning, he retreated back to the window and turned to see the enemy commander smiling at him. Something is wrong here, thought Judas at the reaction of the locals. Finally, the carriage rolled into the courtyard of the stronghold and they were brought into a comfortable day room where refreshments were served on the side table. I'm sorry for the lack of more exquisite offerings, Joseph politely said, but please help yourselves. No, Joseph. Judas denied the refreshments and sat down on the sofa. I'm here on behalf of my lord to talk business with you. Ah, yes. Joseph smiled straight to the point. I want you to release Lady Titania and return always point to us, Judas said in all seriousness, and I will allow you and your men to retreat out of the city without harm. If we reject your offer... Joseph unhurriedly poured himself a cup of tea and stirred it in two cubes of sugar. What will you do then? As much as I respect you, Judas eyed Joseph like a hawk. I will be forced to destroy you and your men. I see. Joseph took a sip of his tea before sitting down before Judas. So it's either give you Lady Titania and Orwell's point, or you kill us all. Joseph took another sip of his tea and sighed. So there is no negotiation at all. This is not a negotiation. The young Lord Titus removed his scale glove and slapped them onto the table. This is what you'll do as ordered. Joseph sighed again and gave a death glare at Titus. Son, you need to keep your mouth shut when your betters are speaking. Titus shrank back as he felt the blood lust from Joseph's glare and he shriveled slightly, but he jerked his head up and it snapped. How dare you, a barbarian, speak with some tone with me? I can crush you here and now. Then I guess we've got nothing more to say. Joseph stood up and gestured to the door. I'll be seeing you off. The marine station at the doors opened them up, and one of the officers gestured. My lords, the garage will return you to the docks. 
What kind of insult is this? Titus roared. He reached for his peace-bound sword and was unable to draw it when Judas gripped his hand, stopping him. Enough! Judas hissed to the young man. Stop making a fool of yourself. The young man gritted his teeth and glared daggers at Joseph with smiled back. As I said, you are not here to talk, but to declare war. Hence there is no point for any more words between us. Lord Joseph... Judas put a smile on his face and said carefully, We are willing to ransom the release of young Lady Titania, if you would care to give us an offer. Sure, of course. Joseph grinned and rubbed his hands happily. He snapped his fingers and the peace girl entered the room with a roll of parchment in a tray. Judas picked up the parchment and unrolled it. His eyes scanned the contents of the parchment and his head jerked up. Ten thousand able-bodied slaves! Joseph nodded and poured himself another cup of hot tea. The contract is here, if you agree. Just sign it and Lady Titania will be released unharmed. Ten thousand! Titus snapped contract over and read it. Are you crazy? Ten thousand slaves for her? Titus threw the contract on the table. I will only offer you one thousand slaves for her ransom. So, uh, in the end, Joseph stared into his cup of tea and stirred it. Her life is only worth a thousand slaves. No! Judas stood up and hushed the livid Titus. But ten thousand able-bodied slaves will take us some time together and transport over. Well, I have time. Joseph gave a wide grin. All the time in the world. You! Titus cursed under his breath in the shameless attitude of Joseph. I guess you better send word back to your lord, Joseph continued. As you said, it would take some time for all of you together and transport the slaves here. We can agree to the ransom, Judas told Titus back as a warning look. But we must see Lady Titania and make sure that she is unharmed. Of course, of course. Joseph rubbed his hands together and nodded to one of the officers who appeared to fiddle with something. Suddenly, the black-haired rectangular object on the wall flicked on the window appeared with Lady Titania inside. Shocked at the Imperial stared wild-eyed at the window. Even the Lady Titania stared back at them with the same surprised expression. Titus! Judas! Why, how are you inside that thing? What did you do? Judas spun around and glared at Joseph, who was calmly sipping his tea. Release her from that present now. Relax, Joseph raised a hand to stop his men as the Imperials ripped off their peace-bound weapons in retaliation to the imprisonment of the young lady inside the arcane prison. It's just a magic communication device, Joseph explained. She's not trapped inside that thing. It is just an image. Is that true? Judas turned and asked the lady to Tanya, who nodded. Yes, I'm actually inside a room, Titania clarified. I'm seeing everyone inside this window. I... I see. Judas gestured to his men to stand down. I apologize for the disrespectful outbreak earlier. Apology accepted. Joseph gave a sly smile and rubbed his hands gleefully. Now, ten thousand slaves for her release. It's a very good deal. Yes? End of chapter. Chapter 287 True Lies Great Ocean Plains The rumble of the motorcycle scattered the herd of plane hoppers from their gazing as Zahitsu crested over the gentle slope. He pushed up his goggles and pulled down his bandana before taking a sip of water and radioed in. One, this is two deed, coast is all clear, over. One, roger that, keep your eyes peeled, out. Hitsu turned around and looked at the dust trail kicked up by the convoy of trucks and turned to Young. Why do we always get the crappiest of jobs? Young braced his motorcycle and took his binos and scanned the area before replying. 
Well, we are the best out here and, um, and we've been to Sin City before, right? Hitsu finished his sentence. Damn, I'm tired. I'm gonna take a month break once this is all over. Yeah, as if we can take a long break with all this crap happening around us. Young lowered his binos. Well, hopefully this will be a simple mission. They send us out here to make sure that the human is truly dead. Hitsu grumbled. If I was that, uh, I would have run far, far away if I wasn't dead. Who would still wait around? True, Young gave a shrug. But still, we need to check it out. Damn, Hitsu sighed. This sucks. Come on. Young kept the binos and gestured towards the approaching convoy. We need to link up. Yeah, yeah. Hitsu revved up his bike and they did a charge back towards the convoy. Tyria sat on the cab next to the marine driver, checking the route that they were taking on the map. Behind him, the truck was another four more others, each armored up with steel plating and the sides and an Eagle Company and 2nd Battalion Marines rode shotgun. Another two covered jeeps drove ahead and they were surrounded by several Outrider scouts on motorcycles. Each armored truck had a 50 cal machine gun mounted to the cupola on the back and provided some sort of defense on any attacks. Tyria folded the map back and turned to the Eagle Company CO and said, Sir, we should be arriving in Sin City in roughly another six hours. Got it, Sergeant, Eagle CO replied. Tell your men to stay alert for any trouble. Orwell's Point, Marine Stronghold, Command Center. What do you all think? Joseph asked as he entered the command center. Think they'll make good on their word? No, Dr. Sharon replied as she leaned on the screen studying the Imperials. Judging by that guy's micro-expressions and mannerisms, there's 80% chance he's lying through his teeth. Micro-expressions? Joseph rubbed his head. More human science? Kind of. Dr. Sharon smiled. It's just a study of a person's behavior. For example, when you touched your forehead when I said micro-expressions, that tells me that you were confused and unsure of what it is. I see. Joseph quickly snatched his hand down away from scratching his scalp. So, from the way they move, you can tell... Oh yes, Dr. Sharon replied. I did take a course before on it, but I may not be an expert, but it is easy tellable with them. There are seven universal micro-expressions. Disgust, anger, fear, sadness, happiness, surprise, and contempt, Dr. Sharon explained. Each expression can take like a split second to appear, which we can use to tell a person's emotions. Oh, Magister Thorne exclaimed. That sounds interesting. You gotta teach me. Look here. Dr. Sharon played back the video of the conference. See that young lord's face when you mention Lady Tatiana? Yeah, Joseph and Magister Thorne leaned in to zoom in the image. See the raised upper eyelid? Dr. Sharon paused the video and pointed to the face of the young lord Rothschild. His nose is wrinkled and his cheeks raised. This is disgust. He doesn't care about his sister, Dr. Sharon said. Therefore, if anything happens to her, he'll be happy instead. Now, when you were finalizing the deal with the night captain, Dr. Sharon fast-forwarded the video and played the video in slow motion. See his face when he's signing the contract. She pointed to the side of his mouth, which was raised very slightly before turning back to normal. That is contempt. Basically, he's sneering at the contract, but he acted like he was agreeable. He would not honor the contract, Dr. Sharon declared. I hope that you are ready for whatever plots they have planned. Oh, yes. I do have some nasty surprises for them, Joseph smiled. Then again, I do not fully expect them to honor their words either. Kagar saw a grisly-looking officer walking out with some others, and she quickly bounced over. There is something important to tell you. 
Joseph nodded to the rest of the officers as he gestured Kagar into the command center and led her into the side office. What is it? I recognize two of the knights with the Imperials, she quickly blurted out. I saw them when I gave the contract to them. You can't trust them. Which two? Joseph asked. Those two standing at the wall. Kagar felt a surge of indignation. They destroyed my city. Those two? Joseph tried to remember how they looked like. Wait here. He went out and took a tablet and returned to the office. He played back the recording and asked Kagar, Is it these two? Yes. Kagar nodded hurriedly, and her eyes watered as she recalled the nightmare. They killed my friends and all the elders. Joseph frowned as he observed the two knights at the back. One of them worn in a full enclosed helm while the other stood folding his arms with a smirk on his handsome face, where it was marred with a scar on his cheek. Both of them remained as they were while the others appeared agitated when they thought the Lady Titania was trapped inside the screen. The full, now knight remained still like a statue, while the smile on the other knight stayed the same as he leaned lazily against the wall. Joseph could tell that they were very dangerous and mentally marked them to be the first to die if they tried anything funny. Are the measures in place? he asked Kagar. Kagar nodded and rubbed her tears from forming in her eyes with her sleeves. Yes, I worked with Liz and matched the thorn on it. Good. Don't cry anymore, Joseph rubbed her head. We will take revenge for you. Orwell's Point, Merchant District, Golden Shoe Inn. Judas carefully honed the blade on his sword with a whetstone while the young Lord Titus paced angrily around the guest room. You keep that up? Judas nasally commented as he checked any nicks on his blade, and you'll burn a hole in the carpet. This is infuriating! Titus stopped and paced and spun around. How dare they? How dare they treat us like this? Calm down, Judas sheathed his sword after finishing its maintenance. There is no point getting worked up over nothing. Nothing! Nothing! Titus yelled. This attitude! He thinks he's some noble. He's just a barbarian. Ten thousand slaves. The goal of him is to demand ten thousand slaves for a ransom. Titus continued to rant on. If it were up to my choice, they can have her. I won't even pay a single coin for that witch. Enough, Judas snapped. Your father wants you to learn and bring your sister back home in one piece. Titus sneered and sat down on the sofa before pouring a goblet of wine and drowning it in one go. That witch is all father cares about. He is even willing to pay ten thousand slaves for her release. Titus poured another cup of wine and drank it. I will destroy these low lives. Judas walked over and stopped Titus from pouring another cup of wine. That is enough. You will need a clear head later. For? Titus shook Judas's hand off. The dinner party that we're going to will be a bar and with all these peasants and barbarians who think they can match us. Oh, I can assure you, young master, Judas gave a chilling smile. It'll not bore you. Really? Titus leaned back on the sofa and placed the goblet down. Tell me more about our plans tonight. All Walls Point Ballroom. The small army of servants had transformed the once ballroom turned storage back into its prime state. Tables with cloth and flowers decorated the interior while crystal chandeliers hung from the ceiling. Mills, dressed in his best journalist's uniform, watched the ongoings of the side with Drake, who was too in his dress uniform, with all medals polished and shiny. Um, no dance day tonight, Mills sighed. Maybe I should ask the good doctor to be my date. Seriously? Drake gave a what-the-hell look to Mills. Are you that desperate? 
Hey, she's seen me naked before, Moles grinned, and she's quite pretty too, just a little short and nerdy, but height doesn't matter when you're in bed. Dude, no fraternizing with the officers. Drake shook his head, and spare me the details. Hey, the cab had dropped those rules, Moles winked. Oh well, maybe not the doc. How about the cat girl? She's pretty cute. And risked the Jap crew's wrath, he questioned. Good luck. Oh, crap. Moles rubbed his face dramatically. How could I forget about those weeaboos? Ask the Lady Tatana, Drake suggested coyly. You two make a good match. Oh, hell no, Moles shrugged. All she talks about is the glory of the family. Glory to this, glory to that. No, only girl speaks to you at all. Ouch, that hurts you, son of a witch, Moles cursed. All right, enough about me. Where's your date for this piece of crap? Don't be jealous, Drake winked. She's coming. That's what she said. Moles rolled his eyes at Drake's smug expression. Jeez, I can't stand you. I'm going to go check the perimeter and the guys on duty. Remember, use protection. Moles laughed and walked off as Drake flipped him the finger. He knocked on the side door and looked up at the hidden camera before a click of the door behind unlocked, sounded, and he entered. Two marines sat behind the steel gate, unlocked the gate for him, and he walked to the dimly lit corridor and entered the security bunker where several marines had gathered behind bank monitors. All good? He asked the men as he checked each monitor display. Yes, Sarge, the marines replied. We have one platoon of marines on the ground and another standby next to the ballroom. The secret passages will allow the platoon to enter the ballroom should anything happen. The marines reported. Good. Keep it up. Seen Lieutenant Silverstar? Yes, Sarge. The Marines gestured to one of the screens. He is at the main hallway to the ballroom. All right, I'm going to go find him, Moles nodded. Watch our rears. These blue boys might have a plan to save the princess. He left the security checkpoint and found Lieutenant Silverstar together with the other officers at the entrance of the ballroom. Sir? How's everything? Sir Lieutenant Silverstar asked. He was decked out in his dress uniform too, but did not have as many medals as Moles on his fruit salad bar. Everyone is in position and ready to rumble, sir, Moles grinned. You are looking dashing, sir. Save the compliments, soldier. Lieutenant Silverstar grinned back. I know I'm handsome. Moles coughed into his hand and winked. Well, it's almost time for the party and the guests to start arriving. Yes, it's almost time for the party to start. End of chapter. Chapter 288. Party Time. Orwell's Point, Governor's Estate. Dozens and dozens of lavishly decorated and ornate carriages drawn by land dragons decked out in fiery took turns to enter the main gates into the estate grounds of the mansion that once belonged to the Imperial Governor of Orwell's Point. Marines in full battle order stood guard and checked each and every carriage and the attendees of the Grand Ball. Almost everyone prominent and influential was invited to the ball, and it was the first ever event hosted by the new lord since the fall of the city. With the arrival of the imperial delegates and rumors of some secret deal to be conducted between the barbarian lords and the imperials, sparked much interest and debate amongst the citizens, and the invitation cards were sought after greatly. As the guests gathered and mingled in the ballroom, the imperial carriages rode up and four marines in dress uniform and white gloves acted as door openers, stepped forward and opened the carriage doors before saluting. Titus, dressed in a dark blue doublet, under the silver-gold half-plate trims with silver fur, strolled off the carriage with barely a glance at the marines and headed straight to the mansion. Following him out of the carriage, Judas followed behind in a similar outfit. 
He nodded to the two knights following him, and the trio followed after Titus's heels. Welcome, welcome. Joseph stood in the foyer of the entrance and greeted the young master and his escorts. Tonight we enjoy ourselves. No talk of business or wars. Drink, eat, and be merry. Thank you, Lord Joseph, Titus smirked at himself, and he smiled at all the fake courtesy and low blood. We will enjoy ourselves. Come in, come in. Joseph gave a half-bow and led Titus into the ballroom, with Judas and his two men following them. Drink. The ballroom was crowded with hundreds of people dressed to impress in a local fashion. Soldiers in the dress uniforms contrasted greatly with the locals' bright and gaudy colored clothing. Music provided by live band that occupied an area at the side of the ballroom, while rows and tables sat on either side and landed with plates and bowls of food and drinks. Round tables filled with tableware and cutlery took up almost two-thirds of the ballroom, leaving an open area while a sea of people could be seen mingling and dancing. Lord Titus, you and your men will be sitting together with me at this table. Joseph guided the Imperials to the frontmost table, where the decor was more elaborate compared to other tables. Refreshments are on the side. Joseph smiled. Dinner will be served shortly. Now, let me introduce you to some of my people of the local leaders. Joseph gestured towards a group of people. Magister Thorne, my longtime friend and mentor. Joseph started his introductions. And this is Dr. Sharon, a great and renowned healer. Judas frowned slightly as he noticed the strangeness of the petite woman's ears. She was pretty, with an uncommon shoulder-length hair and a pair of crystal artifacts that covered her eyes, which made her more attractive. He stared at her short, rounded ears adorned with a pair of dangling earrings and wondered what made her clip her ears. Titus, on the other hand, appeared to be taken back by her appearance, but he took her hand and kissed it, muttering polite greetings, and the two of them started some conversation. Joseph continued in his introductions to the rest of the people, and Judas soon blocked them out as he saw who was walking in from the entrance of the ballroom. Mills tugged the uncomfortably tight, starched collar of his dress uniform as he waited for the prisoner to come out. The door opened, and he paused in his actions, stunned by the sight before him. Tatiana frowned and checked herself, patting her body, hugging her dress consciously. What is it? Her two maids smiled at Titania. There is nothing wrong with the dress. Then why is he staring at me like he saw a ghost? Titania narrowed her eyes at the open-mouthed Mills. Oh, Mills snapped his mouth shut. Nothing, it's, um, you look stunningly beautiful. Titania rolled her eyes at his compliment. Coming from you, don't know why, but I don't feel complimented. Mills grinned and struck his elbow out for her to take. Titania looked at his elbow and raised a questioning eyebrow. Oh, hold on to my elbow this way. Mills grinned and put her hand and placed it at his elbow. I will escort you to the ball. It's kind of our custom. Hmm, what a strange custom this is. Titania commented, but she kept her hand on his elbow, allowing him to lead her to the ball with the two maids following behind. The two marine guards grinned and winked at Mills before they pushed open the double doors as they entered the ballroom. Everyone's attention was turned to them. Titania straightened her pose and gave a shy smile as suddenly everyone's glance was on her. She wore a sky-blue off-shoulder evening gown that had her shoulders bared, leaving the anti-magic collar was replaced with a silver collar which acted as an accessory to further enhance her look. Her long gold hair cascaded down over her shoulders in a wavy locks, tickled Mills as she turned her head. Mills's face turned red when he noticed the number of stairs his way. Um, this way, princess. He led her towards the assigned table, and the crowd parted ways for them as they approached. Lady Titania, 
Suddenly, a man in a half-plate armor appeared before them and knelt down before taking her hand in his. It is good to see you safe. Lord Judas, Desanya gave a false smile before she quickly took her hand back from his. It is good to see you too. Have they mistreated you? The knight asked. We spoke to the magical artifact, but uh, no, they did not mistreat me. Tajanya replied. I see my younger brother is here too. Sister, the man in a half-plate armor appeared and gave a crude greeting. Still alive? Always, Tatanya smiled coldly. Merles looked at the trio and felt like he was watching a soap opera plot play in here. He cleared his throat and asked, Princess, do you want anything to drink? Tatanya glanced at her brother for another second longer before she turned to Merles and bobbed her head. Yes, please. Do you have that mixed juice punch drink that they always serve in the canteen? Ha ha ha. Sure, I can get you a cup. Mill smiled and gave a curt nod to the knight and her brother before he headed off towards the drink station. Why are you so close with that, um, barbarian? Judas asked curiously as he reached out to touch Titania's face. Titania stepped back away from his touch while Titus snorted. Of course she's close with him. She opens her legs for a... <coughs> Judas gripped the back of Titus's neck tightly and leaned close to his ear and hissed. One more disrespectful word from you about Lady Titania, and I will break your neck like a verum. Stop! Titania reached out and grabbed Judas's arm. People are watching. Judas released the grip of Titus's neck and gave a warning glare at him. Stop your nonsense here. We have serious business to do. Lady Titania, we will get you back home safely. Judas smiled at Titania as if nothing happened. Don't worry. Titus snorted and walked off in a huff while rubbing his neck. He passed by Mills with drinks in his hands and nearly knocked the drinks off. What's his problem? Mills cursed as he watched the young man head towards the bar. Here, Mills handed Titania her drink. Everything all right? Yes, Titania gave a small smile. Can I have a private word with my people? Oh, sure. Mills nodded and off to the side. Call me if you need anything. I'll be around that area. Thank you. Titania replied and gestured Judas over. What business are you talking about? Judas reached out and fingered the anti-magic collar over Titania's neck and whispered, We will break you out later when there is an opportunity. Just be ready. It's too dangerous, Titania whispered back. It's a too big a risk, and this collar can't be removed by normal means. Don't worry, I'll find a way. Your father has promised you to me. Judas smiled and gestured, and I have brought them along. Titania followed Judas's gesture and saw two knights standing at one side by themselves, and she drew her breath in sharply. You plan to kill everyone? Your father ordered, and no one touches my property without my permission. Judas's eyes lingered on Titania's cleavage a little longer before he looked up and smiled. Glory to the Rothschilds. Glory to the Rothschilds, Titania whispered softly back as she sat down in the nearest chair. She turned and looked around and found Mills happily chatting animatedly away with another soldier and a lady together near the food table. She felt her heart beating very fast and hard, and a flood of confused emotions threatened to break out. She couldn't put her emotions to words and could only stare sadly at Mills in the distance. Glory to the Rothschilds. Orwell's Point, Governor's Estate Security Control. As the dinner went into full swing and the guests sampled exotic barbarian dishes and drinks, many of the attendees' impression of the so-called barbarians changed for the better as they talked about business plans and exchanged ideas. Each monitor inside the security control room showed a different location of the estate's vast grounds. 
Suddenly, one of the Marines put down one of the video's main screens and enlarged it. Sarge, movement on the western fence. Well, well, well. The duty NCO stood over the screen and looked up at the approaching ghostly figures, enhanced by the harsh, colorful red and yellow and white of the thermal flares. One, two, three, ten contacts. The NCO hit his comms and reported, Sirs, we got movement on the Winston fence. Sector W3, ten contacts, over. This is Lord Actual, the battalion CO voice replied. Roger, see if you can tag and bag them alive without any alarm going off. Out. Well, the boss wants our friends alive, the NCO sighed. Let's get him his present then. Castle, Sierra, Falcon 3, the NCO called out. What did you sit, Rep? Over. Falcon 3, Castle Sierra, we got eyes on intruders, please advise over. Castle Sierra, Lord Actual wants tangos alive and quiet. What say you? Over. Falcon 3, affirmative, order for ten sleeping beauties coming right up. Out. Under the cover of night, ten knights silently crept across the manicured lawns of the estate towards the brightly lit mansion where sounds of music and laughter could be heard when the wind carried them over. They had cast agility up, softened, and cloaked spells on themselves, making them merge almost as one with the shadows, allowing them to scale the tall fence of the estate without any noise. With barely a sound, they advanced up the lawn, keeping an eye out for any signs of the guards patrolling the grounds, and failed to notice the manicured brushes that served as the low wall appearing to be moving ever so slightly. With agility up, they leapt over the low, squarish trim bushes, only to find themselves landing amongst several figures who'd grabbed them, and they felt sudden shock of lightning coursing through their bodies before the nervous system overloaded, and they fainted. All bagged, a voice asked. Yes, Corporal, another voice replied. These stunners are pretty good. All right, enough chit-chat, the first voice replied. Cuff them and put the anti-magic collars on them. Yes, Corporal. Falcon 3, 2, to all. Tango secured. Over. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.